You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Todd Wicks. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. We live in a state where all of these rights, voting rights, reproductive rights, and civil rights are at risk. Later in the program, the Monroe County Democratic Party elected Shruti Rana as vice chair after a resignation left the office vacant. More in the bottom half of tonight's program. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. But first, your environmental news brief. WFHB, this is your environmental news brief for Wednesday, February 23rd. I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffel. Across the state, farmers have been reporting cases of a highly lethal bird flu called H5N1 in turkey populations. The outbreak has been occurring globally, but the first confirmed case in Indiana was on February 9th in Dubois County, but has since spread to a farm south of Bloomington and in Greene County. The total number of turkeys impacted is estimated to be around 103,000 birds, with many of them having to be euthanized to contain the spread. There are a total of 28 poultry farms in the state that are in a form of quarantine and are going through massive cleaning operations to help stop the spread of the bird flu. Indiana is one of the largest poultry producing states, and if the flu spreads the amount of chicken eggs, turkeys and ducks in supermarkets and restaurants could decrease nationwide. Southwestern Indiana was recently the center of attention on an episode of The Joe Rogan Experience, which is the most listened to podcast in the world with an average of 11 million listeners per episode. The host, Joe Rogan, was discussing air pollution with world-renowned climate scientist Andrew Dessler when the topic came up about pollution caused by coal-fired power plants. According to the discussion, the city of Evansville, Indiana, has the worst air quality in the country, primarily due to seven coal-fired power plants located around the city. This portion of southwestern Indiana is often cited as a sacrifice zone in which people suffer respiratory issues due to power plants. There are signs that this statistic is changing as more coal-fired plants are being shut down or changing to alternative sources of energy. Recently, residents of California have been terrorized by the infamous Hank the Tank. Weighing at 500 pounds, Hank is an extremely large and overweight black bear who no longer fears humans and thus has the courage to break into dozens of homes to feast on leftover pizza. Despite breaking into 28 homes, he has not harmed a single person. His passion for eating 
processed food and avoiding the fruits and veggies has caused the bear to become a social media sensation. The California Department of Fish and Wildlife is seeking to capture Hank as, despite his friendly nature, it is too dangerous to have bears living alongside humans. The Bear Education Aversion Response League is an organization that is working towards finding an animal sanctuary for Hank the Tank to live at once the California DFW is finally able to capture the notorious black bear. That's all for your environmental news brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffle. On February 16th, at the Monroe County Board of Commissioners meeting, Assessor Judith Sharp asked the commissioners to approve funding for service agreements with Midwest Presort, which she hires to handle the mailing of personal property assessment forms. Sharp shared that Indiana changed the business personal property tax requirement to be $80,000 rather than $40,000. It just uh, cuts a little bit of work for the public to do because every year they forget they're even supposed to do this. And um, and everybody that has a home office business, um, any business, you're supposed to file with our office uh, this time of the year. And um, this year, the state is actually raising the, um, the uh, bottom line from 40,000 to 80,000. So if you have business personal property uh, reporting, and remember this is self-reporting, they report it, it's a self-assessment, under 80,000, you will not have any taxes due at all, but you still have to file the form with us, which uh, is very um, kind of silly, I think, um, but no one listens to to the assessors. Um, I understand the reason for it, but at 80,000, it's going to wipe out half of our filings anyway. But unfortunately, if they do not uh, file, they get penalized. $25 plus um, interest and everything else. Sharp explained that although this is convenient for businesses, the burden of property taxes then falls upon the shoulders of the homeowners. Commissioner Penny Givens asked Sharp what they can do to push back against the shift away from taxing businesses. Sharp responded. We've been pushing back for a lot of years and we're still pushing back. Assessors Association. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff that comes out. I'm not I'm not saying but that there isn't. But the uh, property tax system is the number one issue with legislators because it resonates with every single homeowner and business owner in the state of Indiana. And all it takes is one irate property tax owner to get to a legislator and that legislator just like, oh my God, I'll lose a vote if I don't get a bill. No matter how bad it is, let's throw it out there and they stick. And um, I'm being very, I'm being very honest with you. And I know I'm on uh, the whole, of course, I stand up there to the legislators and say the same thing. Um, too much politics into what we all do. And this job doesn't, my job does not, should not be political. We have rules and regulations. We have to get the job done. People don't like it. But as long as um, I can prove to everybody that we're fair and equitable, and even if you disagree with that, there's mechanisms out there. But just because you don't like your assessment and 
you know somebody in the legislature and um, there's there's horrible bills that we fight down every single year. We're still fighting on the dark box, still fighting on the dark box. Uh, we want a little bit. It's still out there. Um, you know, um, how long has that been? 20 years? Um, and it's always being brought up. Um, I don't know. It just, it gets a little frustrating, but um, we keep doing it. And you had a good question. We fight back. We, we get, um, we, we're the people that, that know what we're doing. We know who to talk to. And most of the times they kind of listen, but, you know, there's a lot of them up there. So good question. The next county commissioner's meeting will be held on February 23rd. At the Monroe County Public Library Board of Trustees meeting on February 16th, Director Marilyn Wood gave an update on the library's services in light of how the pandemic has affected the use of the library. And I think what you'll find is, as we talk about this a little bit, it's, it's really that use has shifted. It's not so much that the numbers are down in every place, but they've shifted uh, from one area of service to another. And so some of the things that we did in terms of making changes in the service provisions that we did have been very effective. And so we'll talk a bit about that. So um, the, the visits, this is the physical stuff, this, or physical visits. This is, this is where we see the greatest change. So our number um, of visits to the library in January of 2020 was 67,448 people. In 2022, it was 36,415 people. Our programs in 2020, we offered 84 programs. Uh, we actually offered 98 in 2022. So we've gone up in that area. We're beginning to, and in the uh, director's report, you'll see there's several little anecdotes uh, that people have have told us how much they appreciated that, that programming has returned and what it's meant for, particularly for their children and for their teens. Uh, the attendance of our programs in 2020 was 1,782, and it, it, it was 1,498 in 2022. Here's another big one that was physically, um, because they weren't physically here. Our public computer usage in 2020, there were 11,883 sessions, and this year there were 5,199. Um, physical circulation of books, this is both CERC and renewals, but in 2020, it was 141,908, and this year it was 119,282, so it's not that far off, particularly when you consider that's renewals as well. Our E circulation of, of electronic resources was 68,457, and this year it was 85,000, so that one went up. And here's the number that I really appreciate, and this is how many different people made use of our library. So this is the unique use. And this is only measuring circulation activity, because uh, that's the number we can count. But in 2020, it was 10,428 people. And in 2022, it was 8,721. So we're still reaching a lot of people in our community. Board member Jamie Burkhart shared that they went to a kindergarten registration to get families signed up for library cards. I invited. Um, the library to be represented at the kindergarten registration mm -hmm. last night at Summit. And Amy came and set up a table, and she was able to get families 
library cards who didn't have one because they came with their documentation. Excellent. And I just really appreciate her coming. And you talk about those partnerships. And we just hope to see you more in those partnerships with schools. I really Excellent. appreciated her coming. Wood also shared that she will be retiring from her position as director. Um, and the second thing that I wanted to just publicly announce tonight uh, is my retirement. So after 10 years here at the library, I've had the pleasure and the privilege to be here for 10 years. I am planning to retire this spring um, in May. Thank you for all of the support and advocacy that you have provided over the years. It's been fantastic. Finance manager Gary Letelier shared a resolution to establish a depreciation policy for the library's capital assets. But it's a resolution to establish a capital asset depreciation method. The State Board of Accounts has changed the rules on reporting capital assets. So in order to comply with those changes, <clears throat> we'll start reporting depreciation on MCPL capital assets. This resolution <clears throat> will formalize a reporting change that MCPL had to make in 2019 when the county and some of the larger county government component units had to start reporting depreciation. The library will report depreciation for 2021 on the Gateway Annual Report for the first time uh, when we submitted this spring. Depreciation is a way to recognize the cost of an asset over the course of its useful life. Letelier explained that for purchases over $5,000, he sends the depreciation schedule to the county. However, smaller purchases don't need to be reported in the capital assets statement. Items such as computers are tracked so that when they become too old, staff knows to replace them. Wood added that the tracking of assets is important for the collection of books as well. Thanks to that. One of the reasons why we do those somewhat frequent um, resolutions when we get rid of surplus material is to keep these things in line so that our, our assets really reflect what comes and what goes. And one difference that this policy makes on that $5,000 mark, or somewhat different, I don't know how to describe it, is that our collection of books is included, but it's not included on a book-by-book -book basis. It's included on a, on a, this is what you started with, this is how much you added, and this is how much you uh, deleted over the course of the year. The board unanimously voted to approve the policy. The next Board of Trustees meeting will be held on March 23rd. On Sunday, the Monroe County Democratic Party of Indiana elected Shruti Rana as vice chair. Rana is a progressive activist and attorney, focusing on areas of international law and human rights. She also works at Indiana University as a professor and senior assistant dean. At a Zoom meeting hosted by MCDP to fill the vacancy, Rana outlined what inspired her to run for vice chair. I'm truly honored today to stand before you as a candidate 
for the position of vice chair of the Monroe County Democratic Party. I wanted to take this opportunity today to tell you a little bit more about who I am and what I'd like to do to support all of you and the Democratic Party here in Monroe County. So I've had many conversations with you over the past several weeks about your experiences and views as well as your questions. And I wanna start with what motivated me to run for vice chair. So first, um, I think my defining moment here was the birth of my daughter, Eva, in 2017, which really galvanized me to take action. Um, when I had her, I wanted to make sure that she would grow up in a world that was better than the one that I have or I have lived in. And, um, you know, since, since she was born, we've just seen spiraling crises in our state and our nation. We see that democracy is under threat. Um, in particular, um, I look back and I think I grew up in a world where we had a Voting Rights Act. We had the protections of Roe versus Wade. We had a Violence Against Women Act that was in force. But instead of moving towards economic and racial justice, we live in a state where all of these rights, um, voting rights, reproductive rights, and civil rights are at risk. After former Vice Chair Jennifer Crossley handed in her resignation to take over Eric Spoonmore's county council seat last winter, that left the office of Vice Chair vacant. Rana discussed the main reasons she ran for office, mainly focusing on the future of the county. So my first reason for running is simply if we don't fight for a better future for our children in Monroe County, who will? Second, we have an incredibly vibrant community here in Monroe County. During the pandemic, I've drawn inspiration from the hard work of my neighbors and friends who have really stood together and risen to address the needs of our community during these times. In particular, I've been involved in a number of community organizations where I was able to participate in get out the vote efforts, racial justice efforts to fight hate crimes, as well as improve access to voting rights. And I've helped build coalitions around reproductive justice all of the ways that our state legislatures um, appear bent on dismantling all of these efforts to build a better future. So this community advocacy and engagement work has really convinced me that we have tremendous untapped power here in Monroe County to bring in new voters, to build powerful coalitions across the groups and the issues that many of you have been fighting for, racial justice, gender economic justice, labor rights, climate advocacy, among others. And I really think we can carry this energy and enthusiasm forward into concrete goals and effective organizing. Her history in local government includes a membership on the Bloomington Board of Public Safety and her role as chair of the Monroe County Election Board. In other areas of community work, she serves as a board member for All Options and a co-chair of the Indiana chapter of the National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum. Rana walked through three goals she set for her tenure as vice chair. My last two minutes um, to tell you um, about the three primary things I want to focus on. Uh, first, to cultivate a diverse coalition to build our party. We need to build our bench, and I think our future lies in effective collaboration and solidarity to keep newly engaged voters um, from 2018 and 2020 involved to build voter engagement um, community service throughout our community. Um, second, I want to continue to professionalize our party operations and provide more resources to party organizers, local candidates, and our um, both newly engaged and longtime voters. I bring management and leadership experience to the table, and I'm really excited to help build and expand the structures of our Democratic Party. 
Third, I'd like to recruit strong progressive leaders from across our constituencies. I've been supporting party efforts to recruit and train progressive local candidates who will fight for the issues that we believe in and that we need to build the future that we deserve in Monroe County. Um, so I'd be honored to earn your vote and help lead the Monroe County Democrats um, and our Democratic Party into the midterms and beyond. During the question and answer portion of the virtual conference, IU researcher Sarah Bowerly-Dunsman asked Rana about how she plans to implement her goal of building diverse coalitions. Rana responded saying that her background in community organizing would guide her in that effort. Building these coalitions and bridges is one of the things I'm most passionate about because like a number of you, I got involved in political um, issues and just politics in general by getting involved in a couple of issues that I cared a lot about. And, um, you know, I went in very naively, you know, into the world of reproductive justice. And, you know, you just assume that everybody wants forward progress or most people do, and they just need to know more about whatever the issue is. And um, actually we know that um, true political and social change comes from building power and building coalitions and solidarity. And, you know, I look around at our country and I think about, um, what people are saying about how polarized we are and how, you know, things seem to be heading, um, you know, in various um, directions. And we definitely see rising extremism. But one of the things that I've seen, at least over the last several years, is rising solidarity, right? It's, you know, um, I feel like we can walk into an event now and see it may be an issue that um, in person affects just a few of the people in the room, but everybody is there either as allies or because they recognize that helping move this issue forward also helps move their issues forward. And so when I talk about building the coalitions on reproductive justice, immigrants' rights, and fighting hate, hate crimes, all of those started with an issue that just affected um, personally a small group of people. And we had to figure out how to get others to um, support this issue, recognize what it means to our community members, even if it will never affect you personally, and um, and how much that could leverage and amplify power, um, and how much you know how much it means personally to people to know that they have been heard and that people are listening and that people know what their experience is, even if you don't win that particular fight, just knowing that um, that you've been heard and there are people who are willing to carry on that fight with you, I think, is incredibly motivating and inspiring and it's part of what keeps me going and part of what I'd like to keep building for our county. All in all, Rana says that as vice chair, she plans to cultivate a diverse coalition to strengthen the party, professionalize party operations, and recruit strong progressive leaders. Up next, we have Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. We turn now to host and producer Richard Fish for more. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. Back in the 60s, there was a hit song called Crystal Blue Persuasion. 
and I never figured out what that meant. Now, here's a look at some kinds of persuasion that can make you feel not only blue, but seriously poor. Persuasion cons are an ancient swindle, but they always look brand new. The swindler tries to persuade you of something, which apparently has nothing to do with money. Once you're convinced, the money angle enters the picture as a coincidence, something unintended and unplanned, so you don't suspect that's why the whole game was set up. Take the sweetheart swindle. The swindler develops a relationship with you, convinces you that it's true love. Persuading you that he or she is in love with you is much easier done from a distance, using letters, phone calls, emails, texts, and social media. But then, your distant Dinamarata needs money to settle a debt, to get out of jail, or simply to travel and be with you forever. So you cough up. After all, how could someone who loves you want to hurt you? And then your love and your money both disappear. Today, the Internet has given the sweetheart swindle a huge boost. More and more con artists are discovering that they can work more and more suckers at once than ever before. Another classic persuasion scam turns that idea on its head. The scammer persuades you not that you're loved, but that you're cursed. Okay, okay, this might bring on visions of a fake gypsy fortune teller staring into her crystal ball and asking you to cross her palm with silver. Something very much like that was doubtless popular way back before the Egyptians first noticed the Nile River, and is still practiced even today among the superstitious. Again, on the Internet, this scam has roared back to life worldwide. Ever see a pop-up on your screen telling you your computer is infected with a virus and asking you to click here to clean it? If you do, you probably will end up with an infected computer. In 2004, a company called Datalink Computer Products persuaded one wealthy sucker that his computer was being targeted and kept charging him for additional security services. By the time he twigged to the truth in 2010, he had forked over millions of dollars. A persuasion con game depends on persuading the sucker, and I hope it won't be you, that something very good, or very bad, is true when it really isn't. In either case, it's something you can't, or probably won't, check out yourself, and it doesn't appear to have anything to do with money at first. So anytime anybody, especially someone you've just met, tries to persuade you, Check out what they're saying yourself, if you can. And if you can't, beware. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at wfhb.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at wfhb.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. 
MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Todd Wicks. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Hearabouts. Asian American Midwest Radio. Coming up next on WFHB. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at wfhb.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at wfhb.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local, longer, 